to Mosaic. You all survived the storm, which is good. We're able to get here. Got to use your four-wheel drive for something more than the speed bumps. Congratulations. Awesome. Well, hey, this morning is uh, our final week of a series we've been doing uh, called Practical Atheist. Practical Atheist. And uh, if you're a guest with us this morning, you're probably wondering what in the world is a practical atheist and why are we talking about it in church a uh, practical atheist is somebody who believes in God, but lives as though he doesn't exist. Believes in God, but lives as though he doesn't exist. And we know from a recent Gallup poll that roughly 94% of Americans say that they believe in God, uh, but many of them live as though he doesn't exist. And so in this series, we've been essentially exploring some very common ways, some different ways that this fleshes itself out in the lives of religious people like us, uh, ways in which... Uh, we fail to really honor God and sell ourselves short uh, from what God has for us and what he desires for our lives. And so week one, Kevin kicked us off and we talked about time. Time, this idea that I believe in God, uh, but I don't go overboard. Right? I'll do, uh, or I, I'm sorry, I believe in God, but the clock determines, the clock determines how I live my life. Right? So my schedule, uh, not my faith, is essentially the most important thing. It, depend, it determines how I spend my time. And we talked about Sabbath. And we talked about, talked about rest. We talked about this idea that, that every moment and every choice is deeply spiritual. And so part of following Jesus is learning how to say yes to the right things and no to the wrong things. In week two, we talked about this idea of lukewarm faith. Right? I believe in God, but I don't want to go overboard. Right? So I'll, I'll do the bare minimum. Right? Or I'll do essentially what people at least think is normal. I'll follow Jesus as long as as it's comfortable for me, as long as it doesn't make me comfortable or anybody else. The last thing I want to do is to be, you know, a religious fanatic. But we talked about the fact that Jesus talks about this idea of lukewarm faith, and he says that, you know, for those of us who are very complacent about our faith, where faith is an afterthought, and we essentially serve God the leftovers of our life, that Jesus says that it actually makes him want to throw up, right? Very strong language, this idea of lukewarm faith, practical atheism. Week three, we talked about prayer. Right, I believe in God, but I pray as though he doesn't exist. And we, we looked at the teachings of Jesus again and about this idea that there's, there's effective ways to pray and there's ineffective ways to pray, that there are ways to pray where God hears us and accepts our prayers, right? Prayers that are, that are um, very humble and, and completely humble and open before God, where we seek what God desires for us. But then there's also ways to pray that God rejects, right? That is unacceptable to him. Prayer, we can pray in such a way that is totally centered on ourselves, what we want from God, rather than seeking what God desires for us, right? The practical atheist prays from a a place of complete self-centeredness. They pray from a place where their lives totally contradict what they tend to ask God for. Um, And rarely, if ever, do they actually expect God to move and to answer their prayer. And then last week, we talked about the big M word, talked about money, and uh, this idea that I I believe in God, uh, but I trust in money. We talked about the fact that, you know, churches oftentimes, we don't talk about money a whole lot anymore because it's taboo, because we've had a lot of very bad examples of, in Christendom of people abusing, talking about money, taking advantage of people who are vulnerable, right? But we also looked at the fact that 25% roughly of Jesus' teachings are about money and about our possessions, and so it's a very deeply spiritual issue. And we talked about the fact that God calls us as we follow him to radical generosity, and he dares us, he dares us to see if we can't outgive him. 
right, to see if he's not faithful to honor that and to multiply it. But sadly, also the reality that although we have the choice and we can worship God with our money, most people end up worshiping money as their God. All right, so this week uh, is our final week. And if in Titus 1.16, Paul is talking about some practical atheists. And here's what he has to say about them. Titus 1.16. says, They claim to know God. They claim to know him, but by their actions they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. All right, so if you're a visitor, if you're new to Mosaic, uh, you might be thinking about now, uh, what in the fire and brimstone did I get myself into? Um, this, has been, this has been a very challenging series. It really has. And to be completely honest with you, uh, I didn't want to get up and speak this week. Um, most, of, most of this week, I felt like I had very little to give, very little to say. Um, this has been a gutting series for me, too. And I have the distinct advantage when I get up here and, and share every week is I have to sit, you know, with the Scripture, pray through it, study it, um, start thinking through not just the truth of what God's Word has to say for us, but also the implications on our lives. And so, you know, I can't come in and sit and listen to me drone on for 40 minutes uh, and walk out the door and grab lunch and turn on the TV and forget about it. Like, I, it kind of forces me to have to sit with it. And uh, it's honestly, it's been, it's been exhausting because these are very hard issues, right? I, I'm, I'm finding myself through this series having to reevaluate a lot of different things in my life, in my marriage, um, having to reassess how I spend my time. Am I honoring God with the way that I spend my time? Right? What am I saying yes to? What am I saying no to? And what does that say about my faith? Or am I having to think through, like, are there areas in my life where I am living like a lukewarm Christian? Right? Areas in which I'm giving God my leftovers, where I'm, I'm not going after him with fervency, a place where I'm cutting corners in my life. Right? Reevaluating. We're reevaluating what we do financially. Right? How can we up the bar for us as a couple um, and as a family? How can we up the bar in generosity? Right? How, can we, how can we live this out better? How can we take new risks? Uh, there's a lot of that going on. In our lives, and so this, for us, has been um, just a very challenging, very exhausting series. And I'm, I'm ready for a break. I get to go on vacation next week, which comes at a good time. Uh, but these are really, the, the stuff we've been talking about are really just practical. They're practical issues um, of a much deeper issue, and, and and Paul really hits on it in this verse in First Timothy, right? He says they claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. They may believe in God, but they don't know him. And really at the heart of this whole series and all the things that we've been looking at is this question. Do you personally know God? Do you really? Do you personally know God? That is the fundamental, the core issue, the core question that shapes all these other things. Because if you think back to week one, right? I believe in God, but my clock, my schedule determines how I live my life. Right? Why do people allow their time and their schedule to determine to be the most important thing? It's because they don't know God. Right? If they knew God, it would fundamentally shape how they do everything. Right? That would, everything else would become after their faith. It would shape everything. Right? Week two, uh, why do so many people have a lukewarm faith? Because they don't know their creator. They don't know their creator. If they knew him, complacency wouldn't be an option. They would be anything but that. They would be consumed with passion for the God they serve. Right? Zealous for the life that he has to offer. 
Week three, why do people pray so many disconnected, self-centered, unexpectant prayers? It's because they don't know the God that they pray to. If they did, it would fundamentally change the way that they talk to him for the rest of their lives. Week four, right? Why do, I, why do people believe in God and trust in money? It's because they don't know. They don't know God, right? If they knew God, they would never look to something else to provide what only God can provide, right? If they knew God, it would shape the way that they spend their money. It would shape their lifestyle. It would shape everything, right? They don't know him. I believe in God, right? But I think what many people would have to admit, the truth is, I don't know him. I believe in God, but I don't know him. In fact, for, I think for probably many people in this room, just the thought of knowing God personally weirds you out a little bit, right? Not really sold on it, not really convinced. It sounds weird, and you're not sure if you've ever experienced it. And I think part of what we have to understand is knowing God is not always a yes or no answer, right? There's different, there's different levels of intimacy, different places where a lot of us in this room are at. Some of us know him well, some of us not so well, some of us are all over on the spectrum, right? So let me just give you an example of what this means. It's hard for me to kind of imagine this now, but 10 years ago, uh, I didn't know my wife, Megan, right? I had never met her before. I had heard my friends talk about her, right, this Megan Muchy, and uh, they'd talk about her, and they told me that she was just a, a riot, you know, that she was kind of life of the party type gal. They told me that she was uh, a follower of Christ, um, that she was athletic like I, I used to be, you know? Um, I knew a lot about her, right? People were telling me about her that I needed to meet her, but I didn't know her. Right? And I think that that's probably where some of us are here today. That we've heard along the way, we've heard things about God. We know information about him, um, but we don't know him personally. Right? Eventually, Megan and I met on a fateful day at Campus Lifehouse on the sand volleyball court. And uh, despite both of our competitive natures, we were attracted to one another, right? I saw her, and I thought, God, you did a very good job. Well done, sir fine creation, you know, and for whatever reason, she was attracted to me, I guess, and we started talking and dating a little bit, hanging out, you know, in the days to come, the weeks to come, flirting, uh, but not exactly exclusive yet, you know, you're kind of in that, that phase where neither of you really exactly know where you're at, like, you can tell there's feelings there, but, you know, she's thinking, does he feel what I feel, and he's thinking, is she digging me like I'm digging him, and, and, and we, we kind of, know each other a little bit. We're flirting, um, but we don't know each other very well. And I think that's probably, honestly, I think that's probably where a lot of us are with God. Where we're kind of flirting with him. We know some things about him. We might even know him a little bit, but truth is we're not really sure we want to get exclusive just yet. Right? Okay, in other words, God, you know what? I will, I will follow you, and I'm open to learning more about you as long as it doesn't make me uncomfortable, as long as it doesn't require too much of me, because I don't want you to cramp my style. Right? I'm not sure I really want to change my life and, and be yours exclusively just yet. Right? Eventually, Megan and I uh, decided to go the rest of the journey together. And uh, we got married uh, about just over eight years ago. Got married. And uh, our relationship looks completely different now. Right? I, I know Megan so well. Right? On a Sunday morning, we'll have 170-some people in this room, and I can pick out Megan's voice from across the room. You know, people ask me, hey, hey, is Megan here? Where's Megan? You know, and I'm just like, right there, you know. She's got like this radar, this Megdar, you know. <laughs> it's like, I know her. I know her voice. Like, I know her laugh. If I walk by a room and there's a bunch of gals and they're laughing, I know immediately. Like, that's my girl. Like, I can hear her. I know her smell. Right? I know her. It's not bad, by the way. Um, 
Like, I know her profile, right? Um, I know her better than anybody else on the face of the earth. And she could say the same thing about me. And for some of you, that's where you're at with God. Or for some of you, like, you know God. You've been journeying with him. You've been seeking him with your heart. And you know him like many in this room probably don't know him. Right? You know him uh, so intimately. And, and so what I want to do this morning is I want to, together, as, as we wrap up this series, is, is I want to explore together like these three different levels of knowing God, these three different levels of intimacy. And, and here's, here's my hope. Here's my hope and prayer, just for the next few minutes as we talk about this, is that you would get really honest about where you're at or where you're not. Right? Because I think, like, as we have this conversation, for some people this might be kind of painful to realize perhaps that you don't know God as well as you could, perhaps that you should. Um, perhaps you don't know God at all. But I believe that if you're honest about that, right, if you, if you come to God with honesty and just admit, you know what, God, I am not where I want to be. I'm here. I want to be there. God, take me there. Reveal yourself to me in ways that I've never experienced you before, that there's power there, and God will profoundly change your life. All right, so let's do this. We're going to break this down into three levels. Level one, some people say that, uh, they believe in God, uh, but they simply don't know him. Right? They believe in God, but they simply don't know him. Now, if you're like me and you grew up in the church for a long time, I thought that just believing in God was really all you had to do, right? I was, uh, there's passages of scripture that uses that terminology. You pull it out of context, it can be very easy to think, you know what, that's all that God needs, right? That's all he wants is for us to believe in him, right? What's wrong with that? The truth is in James, right, James talks about the fact that even the demons believe in God. In fact, they, they, believe, in, he, they believe in God with more conviction than a number of us do, right? Because at least, he says, they shudder when they think about God, right? Even the demons believe in God, and they shudder, right? So it's not enough. It's not enough to believe. God desires more for us, a lot more. He doesn't want us just to believe in him, but to know him, right? We have a lot of people who fall in this category, a lot of people that I've known along the way. You know, my mom was Catholic. My dad was Methodist. I don't really get what that means, but we go to church, you know, on Christmas, Easter, maybe. You know, I've, I've been confirmed, right? Didn't we do a number of different things? Like, weren't we generally good people? I believe in God, but I don't know him. Right, one of the most sobering verses in the entire Bible. Um, this, just so you know, on the front end, this is a verse that bothers me. It really bothers me because it forces me to really evaluate where I'm at continually. This is one of the most sobering passages of Scripture uh, in all of the Bible. And it's in Matthew 7, verses 21 and 23. These are the words of Jesus, and this is what he says. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons and perform many miracles? Right, today's equivalent, right? Lord, Lord, didn't we go to Sunday school when we were kids? Right, didn't we go through confirmation? Didn't we dedicate our children at church? Right, didn't, weren't we nice people? Didn't we do some good things? Weren't we generally moral? Didn't we believe in God? And Jesus says this in, in verse 23. He says that he will look at some and tell them plainly, I never knew you. I never knew you. I didn't know you. You didn't know me. We didn't have a relationship away from me, you evildoers. I think there's a lot of us that if we got really honest, that's maybe where we are. 
Right? We, we've picked up a lot of theology along the way. Right? We've listened to enough sermons right? for a lifetime, perhaps. Right? We know a lot of things about God, but the truth is we don't know him at all. And he, Jesus might be talking about us. And listen, if that is you this morning, just get honest with it. Acknowledge it. Own it. Right? Get honest with God. I believe in God, but I don't know him. All right, that's, for, that's group one. Group two is this. Those who believe in God and they know him, but not very well. Right? They believe in God and they know him, kind of, sort of, uh, but not very well. You know, we, uh, we moved out to L.A., as many of you know, um, to do a program out there called the Protege Program. It's with a church in L.A. called Mosaic. Uh, and we started this church out of that. That's why Mosaic, Mosaic. Um, and I went out there, honestly, like the main reason, yeah, makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Just want to connect the dots for you there, I know. Um, the reason I went out there, honestly, the main reason is because the pastor, Erwin uh, McManus, um, has had a huge influence on my life. Huge, 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 huge. Um, I heard him speak probably about 10 years ago at the Willow Creek Leadership Summit, and he gave a message there called Barbarian Christianity. Uh, that was a game changer for me. And so I started reading the books, right? He just kept writing more and more books, and, and I was reading those and listening to the podcast probably for seven years now. Um, and he has been kind of like my pastor, my mentor from afar. And so I kind of feel like I know Erwin pretty well because I've been listening to him talk like every week for going on a decade now. I've heard many stories about him. Uh, so I went out there, right? I wanted to learn from Erwin, right? I, I thought, I had this vision in my mind that I'd be like his little Padawan at his side and we'd travel the world together and he'd put his arm around me and be like, this is how you lead. This is how you speak, young one. And we would travel, right? And I would be like his little protege. Uh, but once you get out there, like, and that's all the proteges, we kind of have the same feeling, right? Because we just admire this guy. He's had such an impact on our lives. It's not that way at all. Erwin, um, he's owned like seven, eight companies that he started over the years uh, for a long time. So even with, when you're on staff at Mosaic, you don't necessarily get any Erwin time because uh, he just does so many different things, speaks to a couple million people a year, travels all over the place. So huge disappointment, right? Did not get to, we did classroom experiences and stuff like that, but he and I were not going out for drinks. Uh, didn't have a whole, whole lot of conversations together. And uh, kind of funny, we were doing a, cl- a week-long class on church planning with Irwin at Fuller Seminary. And I'm sitting in class, kind of getting ready before, sitting in uh, Starbucks, and in walks Irwin and uh, one of the pastors that I was really close to at Mosaic. And they came up, and Steve was like, hey, Aaron, give me a big hug. And Irwin kind of maybe recognized me, but not really, you know. And so he's like, hey, guys. And I like, looked around, just me, sitting there. I was like, hey, Erwin, you know. And so we we're talking. And he's trying really hard to make me feel important, you know, like he knows me. But he has no idea who I am. And so we talk for a little bit. And, you know, it's kind of cool. It's Erwin time, whatever. But then, like, when, he, when we say goodbye, he's like, hey, see you later, guys. And then he walked. So, like, my nickname during Protégé was guys, you know. Still my nickname. All the Protégés call me. I'm guys. Right? There are people, and I never really got to know Erwin very well. Right? We had some conversations here and there. Um, there are people that know him very, very well, but I'm not one of them. Kind of, sort of know him. If you walked in this room, I don't know if you'd recognize me or not. He definitely wouldn't say, hey, Aaron, how's life? How's, you know, kind of know him, but I don't know him very well. Right? And for many of us, many of us, that's where we're at with God. Kind of, sort of know him, but not really. Right, maybe we've had some, some deeply spiritual experiences along the way. Right? Times, maybe seasons in our life where God has felt very close. But those times are very 
distant, right? They're in the past. Feels a long way off from where you're at today. Maybe at some point you prayed a salvation prayer. Right? Maybe at some point you feel like you really experienced God, but it's not this driving force in your life. He doesn't feel close most of the time. You don't know him. I don't know him very well. Right? Maybe one way to say it is you've been informed, informed about God, but you haven't been transformed by him. Right? You've been informed but not transformed. Right? And then there's the third group. And the third group is this. Those who believe in God, right, they know him intimately and they serve him wholeheartedly. They know God intimately and they serve him wholeheartedly. Right, I, I think perhaps for some of us, this whole idea of knowing God is very difficult to swallow. Right? A couple hours on Sunday, you get that. Right? That makes sense. 20 bucks in the offering plate. Okay, that's, that's fair. Right? Volunteering here and there. Yeah, I can make that happen. Right? But when you hear stories about people completely reorning their lives to follow Jesus, right? people giving up hopes and dreams, right? people changing the way that they live, people giving sacrificially, right? people praying boldly, complete lifestyle change, it sounds crazy, crazy to you. Right? The truth is, the only reason for that is because you just don't know him. Because when you know him, it changes everything. It changes everything. Absolutely everything. For some of you, you know, it's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to explain, right? The, this intimate relationship with God. For me, for me what that means is that I'm growing more and more aware all the time of God's presence and power and peace in my life. Right? I'm, every, moment by moment, day by day, I'm growing more and more aware that God is actively involved all around me. That he's orchestrating circumstances, events, conversations. That he's bringing people into my life that I need to learn from, that need to teach me some things, right? And other people that I need to minister to, right? There's times in which, in which God seems so close and so clear, right? The times in which I'm, I'm growing more and more aware of his, his voice, right? His leading. Like there's times when I'm about to say something, right? And the Holy Spirit stops me. And I know immediately, you know what? I need to back off. I'm not supposed to say that. Other times when I'm, I'm supposed to do something, but I didn't, right? And God calls me out about it, and I know that I need to go do something, right? Times in which God just seems so and so close. I, I'm becoming more and more sensitive to his leading, to his voice, to his presence, to his power. I'm beginning to see the things in my life that don't have any eternal value, right? Things that are lies, messages I need to ignore, and I'm seeing them for what they are because I'm becoming more and more attuned to the Holy Spirit's presence in my life. Right? Some of you, as I'm talking about this, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you're there or you've been there. Right? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you think I'm crazy right now, a little loony, right? And that's okay. So here's a question for you. Right? Just let me ask you, how well do you know God? How well do you know him? You know, one indicator, by what name do you call him? Right? What names do you call him? It's an indicator of your intimacy with God. For example, right, if I get a phone call from you or whoever, they say, yes, hello, is Mr. Aaron Glenn Loy there? Right? I know you don't know me. Right? Click, you know, I don't know you. Right? If I'm at a restaurant, right, give them my name, uh, yes, uh, Aaron Loy, table for four, right? we might have just met, but you don't know me. Right? There's not a relationship there. Right? The name indicates intimacy. If you call me Pastor Aaron, uh, you know some things about me, right? You know that I'm a pastor. You may have heard me teach. You may have been here on Mosaic on Sunday morning. Uh, we might know each other, kind of. Chances are you don't know me really well if you're calling me Pastor Aaron, right? A little bit awkward. 
totally okay, by the way. Everybody's like, oh, if I called him Pastor Aaron. <laughs> it's okay if you do, right? But it is an indication that right so, up until now, we probably don't know each other very well, right? If you call me Aaron, uh, there's a good chance that we probably know each other, right? You might even know me very well if you call me Aaron. If you call me Loy, you know me really well, right? If you call me Loy, we might have done some really stupid things together in the past, um, you know, we might have been on a team together. We might have been roommates. Uh, we might have done a lot of things together. If, if you call me Loy, chances are we go way back. But there's other names, right, that are far more intimate than those who call me Loy. Right? There's a couple little people who crawl up on my lap, right, and they tell me that my beard tickles and my breath smells, <laughs> right? And they tell me they love me, and they call me Daddy. And there's another who crawls on my lap, and she strokes my beard and says, you're my hunk of burning love. <laughs> but that's a message for another time. Right? <laughs> right? The name is an indicator of our level of intimacy with one another right? and with God. Right? So let me ask you, by what names do you call him? Right? Is he the big guy in the sky? Right? Is he a little eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus with the golden fleece diapers? Right? <laughs> If it is, you don't know him. You don't know him. Right? Do you call, is he your higher power? Do you call him your higher power? Is that it? Because right? that might be true, but that could also be speaking about Allah, Buddha, Chimalonimbus clouds. Right? It could be anything. It's not very personal. My Savior. My Savior. Exactly. Because of what he's done in your life. Right? For some of you, right? like me, like you, we're so aware of our sin before God. And to him, to us, we call him Savior. Right, to others of you, you've gone through hell and back in your lifetime. Right, and God has been the only source of strength for you. For you, he is your comforter, your strength, because you know him on that level. Right, for some of you, you struggle to make ends meet from time to time. And for you, he is your provider. For others of you, life when has been messed up, he has been the only stable thing in your life that has not changed. He's your rock, your refuge. But for some of you, you struggle with loneliness. And to you, he is your friend. But for some of you, your life was, seemed to just be done. And then God somehow took all those messed up pieces and began to use things from your past that were so painful for good. Right? And for you, He's your redeemer. What we call God reveals a lot about our intimacy with him or our lack thereof. What do you call God? What name do you call him by? You know, this, uh, this whole series has really hit home for me because, like, this is my story. Like, I was the little church brat, you know, running around the church, great parents, Right? But I grew up saying one thing and doing another. And I grew up being very religious, but completely disconnected from my Savior. But for a long time, it was just God, big guy in the sky, complete disconnection from my real life. Right? It's my story, and it hits home. How well do you know God, honestly? Right? So the question, obviously, then, is how do you get to know him? And honestly, it's the easiest part. It's the easiest part about all this. Over and over and over again, 
God says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me, you will find me. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Proverbs 8, 17. God says, I love those who love me and those who seek me, find me. Deuteronomy 4.29, but if from here you seek the Lord your God, you will find him. You will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. This morning, if you find yourself at a place where you're not where you want to be, where God feels distant, seek him. Seek him. Open this up and seek him. Right? Open this up and seek him. Open these up and seek him. Open these up and seek him. Seek him. You don't need a seminary degree. You don't need a class. You don't need seven steps to anything. You don't need to read a book. You just need to seek him. So here's the close, right? Here's the close to the whole series. If God has been speaking to you through this series, rattling you, messing you up, I praise God for that. I hope he is. And that he continues what he started. And this is... um, This has been my prayer for us as a community, as Mosaic, through this whole series. This is in Ephesians 1, 17 through 19. And this is my prayer for us. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. I'm asking God that for us as a church that we would be a people, that you would be a person, that God would continually move into a place of knowing him with deeper and deeper intimacy, that God would reveal himself to you in ways you never thought possible, that you never experienced, that in the process you would come to know him so personally and experience his grace so personally that you can never go back to being a practical atheist because God has changed you. That you would never be the same again. All right, we're going to do something this morning. This is not something we normally do at Mosaic. But I know in conversation with a lot of people who are here along the way that this has been a series that God has been shaking some people up and messing with them. All right, and so this morning I want to give you a chance to respond. Right? And so I want you to take a, a, a tangible step of faith, if that's you. So if you're here this morning and God has been messing you up through this series, calling you to something greater, right? whether that be in your finances, whether that be in your prayer life, uh, whether that be in areas where you are lukewarm in your faith, whether that be in the way that you know him, I want you to stand. If you, this morning, want to commit your life to Christ, recommit, right? Go ahead, just stand up. If you're here, And you know that, you know what? God, I'm not where I want to be. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never committed your life to Christ and you want to do that for the first time, I want you to stand. Or if you've been here this morning, you've been here throughout the series, or maybe you're here for the first time and you know, you know what? I don't know God as I want to know him. I know that, God, you want to take me to another level. I know that, God, you want to take me to places I've never been before. And, God, I'm sick of playing religion. I'm sick of being mediocre in my faith. I'm sick of being lukewarm. God, take me, take all of me. Then I want you to stand. All right. Give you a couple more minutes. Praise God, I see you. If you're here this morning, you're sick of being mediocre. 
right? Sick of giving God lip service. Sick of prayers that don't come from the heart. Sick of compartmentalizing your life and areas of your life that you don't want God to go and you want to open yourself up to let God to take those areas and to transform you then. I want you to stand. And I want, for those of you who are standing, to look around. And I want you to know that you are not alone. There are people in this community who are sick of playing church. There are people in this community who want more from God and more of Him, who desire to know Him. We are in this together. And so if that's you, I want to encourage you to find one another, to get committed, uh, get involved in a life group with people who share your heart, share your passion, who can help you as you journey and following Jesus and seeking to know him more. Let's pray as you remain standing. Father God, I pray for the people standing in this room and myself included standing here. God, I'm sick of playing church. God, we come forward and we just repent personally to you, God, for all the ways in which we sell you short, ways in which We don't trust you. God, we ask you that you would give us eyes to see those things in our lives. That, God, you would give us discernment to see the areas of our lives, God, that we just have refused to surrender to you. Areas that you wish to redeem and to transform and to change. God, give us eyes to see the sin in our own lives. And then, God, give us the discernment to see how your love and your grace and your blood covers all of that. That, God, we don't come to you to try to earn your love. God, we come to you because you have already loved us. Father God, I pray for this church, for everybody in this room, God, that you would raise up a generation of people who desire to seek your heart, God, and to serve you and you alone. Recognizing that we are all in process, none of us has arrived anywhere except for at the cross. So, Father God, I ask for courage for everybody in this room and especially for those standing. Give us the courage to move forward with faith and with boldness and with obedience, God. Transform our desires. Transform our minds, our hearts, our passions. Take our hopes and our dreams and take us wherever you desire, God. Do what you will in our lives. We are yours. We are fully, 100% yours. God, we love you. And we pray all these things in your name as we come before you now to worship. We stand and we'll worship.